Let's turn now to read from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 31. And this is a passage that I'm sure you will know very well. And I'm going to pick up just one short portion of it for our meditation this morning. And I know um, it's a long passage that we're reading, but which part of it are you going to exclude? It's great. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, <coughs> this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, so that the world may know, sorry, he has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And may God indeed bless to us this reading from his holy word. Let's come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we turn now to study your holy word, we pray that you would indeed give to us the strength, the power, the insight, the understanding of the Holy Spirit, that we might know you, that we might love our Lord Jesus Christ more, and might follow him more faithfully. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to look particularly at, as you probably guessed from the hymns that we've been singing, Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, I'm sure you would not disagree with me if I said to you that the world is in desperate need of peace. It would be very difficult to disagree with a statement like that. And I'm sure that you would agree with me that we desperately need peace in the Ukraine, again, It goes without saying, really, doesn't it? And you would, of course, be absolutely right. But what sort of peace are we talking about when we're talking about peace in the world and peace in Ukraine? And what we're talking about, of course, is an external thing. The cessation of fighting, of artillery, of bombs, of rifle bullets. We're talking about an external thing. We're talking about the peace that exists between one nation and another nation, or the peace between different families who have been estranged for for some time. So it's an external thing. The problem is that such external peace is always a fragile thing. I guess we all thought that once the Taliban had taken over in Afghanistan, at least in that country, there would be peace and people could get on with their lives, even if we didn't agree with the Taliban and thought, well, they're bad guys, but at least they're bringing peace to Afghanistan. But what do we have now? We've had, I think, two two or three uh, bombs go off in Kabul and the IS, bad guys, are fighting the Taliban, bad guys. We're getting the bad guys fighting the bad guys. And Afghanistan is, in a sense, no better off than it's ever been. So peace, in the sense of an external thing, can be a very fragile thing. And, of course, the root problem is not achieving an external peace, although an external peace is a lot better than fighting in wars. That's true. But the root problem is achieving an internal peace. Without that internal peace, 
you're always going to have aggravations. And when aggravations get too bad, then you're going to have an explosion and get hatred and war and fighting. So it's the internal peace that is the most important thing of all. If there's no internal peace, then no amount of laws and regulations and threatening to take people to the the Hague, um, what's it called? Uh, That's it. What will Elizabeth say? The International Law Court, um, it's not going to do any good. It's the internal thing. So how do we achieve such peace? That's the great question. And of course there are many, many answers to that question in our world today. I um, sometimes laugh at myself when I'm thinking of this topic because many years ago I was driving through the valley and I saw this big sign above this shop and it said the Relaxation Centre. And I went home and said to Elizabeth, oh, you know, in the valley there's a place there that specialises just in mattresses and beds. We should go there and and see what they've got. I didn't realise it was a place where you could go to learn meditation and, you know, do yoga and things like that. That's what it was about. And, of course, why is that? Because they feel we've got the answer to achieving that internal peace that everybody wants to have. But we know that the only way to achieve that peace is through a powerful force. What can change the hearts of people? What can change our hearts? What can can bring about such a change that we now live at peace with ourselves and at peace with this world? It's a powerful change. And we know and we believe that the Christian gospel is the only force that can change a person's heart and it is to this that we must turn again and again and again. So that's why I want to turn to this verse 27 in John chapter 14 which is a wonderful, a plain, and yet in some ways a mystifying statement. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's always struck me as so strange that Jesus on several occasions says to his disciples, Don't be afraid, be of good cheer. You know, when he's walking on the water out to the boat and the disciples are terrified because he's this person doing something that no human being can do, walking on the water, and they're terrified. And what does Jesus say to them? Be of good cheer. Strange thing to say, isn't it? And so is this. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But, of course, he says it because he has got good reason to say it, and that's what we're going to look at. So what do we learn from this verse? The first thing is that Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. I leave with you. And the word that is used is a word that can also mean to bequeath. Uh, Elizabeth and I, because of our advancing age, uh, we have started to think, well, you know, we need to do something about a will and, um, you know, power of attorney and all that sort of thing. And um, so we need to think about what are we going to bequeath to our children? And I usually say to Elizabeth, 
we're going to spend all our money, we're just going to bequeath our wonderful personalities. But Elizabeth's not happy with that. So, but Jesus bequeaths peace to the disciples. Now, normally, if you bequeath something to your children or your grandchildren, whatever it is, then by law, it must go to them after you die. Now I know that in our Australian law that there are some exceptions to that. But normally, that's the rule, isn't it? So Jesus is saying that this peace, because he's going to leave very, very shortly, I am bequeathing it to you, and because it's a bequest, then it's got to happen. It is going to happen. This peace is theirs, his disciples, by right through Jesus Christ. So if we come across a Christian who is a stranger to peace, then we must say there's something wrong here. Either this person is severely out of fellowship with God, or this person has never had faith at all. Because Jesus says, after I've gone, I bequeath my peace to you. It's yours by right. Now, let's go on to another point. Jesus gives peace. My peace I give to you. If you give something, well, it's a gift. You all know that. It's a present. It's not a reward or a wage. If someone deserves something, you don't say, well, look, you know, here's a gift. We don't say to a person who's won the Victoria Cross, oh, look, um, you know, here's the Victoria Cross. It's, it's a gift. It's a present. No, we say, well, you've earned this. You say, you know, so many people, whatever, uh, you've earned it. And if someone earns something, you don't say, here, it's a gift, I'm giving it to you. So at the end of a fortnight, you don't go up to your boss and your boss says, oh, good to see you. Okay, well, look, here, I've got a present for you. Uh, here's your pay for the fortnight. He says, no, well, this is your wage. This is what you've earned. It's not a gift. But Jesus says, not, well, you deserve this. Who of us deserves it? And not, you've earned it, how can we possibly earn it? When every day we know we commit sin, every day we know we do not follow the ways of Christ as we ought. We can't say, I've earned it, but Jesus says rather, I give it to you. My peace, I give to you. It's a gift that he bestows freely on his disciples. Now, there are still some matters that we need to look at. Who is it who gives this peace? And you might say, well, that's perfectly obvious, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. But nonetheless, it's good for us to stop and to think about this. Very clearly, this peace comes from Jesus. And this is critically important. There are those who say, well, you know, if you want to know peace, um, you've got to think about the universe. You've got to let your spirit mingle with the universe and... Stop worrying about this life and then that peace from the universe will come to you. Or from Mother Nature, you need to commune with Mother Nature. Get out amongst the bushes and the trees and Mother Nature will help you achieve peace. Or from the stars, you know, the people who study the stars and say, look, if only you knew how the stars are uh, changing their course and their patterns and so on and from this you can achieve peace. 
But you see, these are all inanimate things. How are they going to bring peace to the human heart? The peace that we're talking about is not an absence of troubles, but a positive possession which can exist even though the world around us is in ruins and it comes from a person, from Jesus Christ. So it is Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, the Jesus whom the disciples saw, they walked with him, they lived with him, they ate with him, they knew him. And he said, I'm leaving it to you. The one whom they were seeing a little was the divine son of God. That one who had all power. That one who was able to walk upon the water. Who was able to just say to the the storm, peace, be still. And it happened. That one who was able to heal by touching people. Who was able to heal from a distance. Just by saying a word. That one who clearly had power over all of creation, that one is saying, I am leaving peace to you, Jesus Christ. There's another point we need to look at, and we're up to four points now. They're getting greater and greater. What does this mean? Because the disciples say to Jesus, We don't know where you're going. We're not really quite sure what you're talking about. How can we know the way? Did Jesus fly off the handle and demand to know, how can you be so thick after all I've taught you? No, he had great peace, didn't he? When Jesus was opposed and criticised by the leaders, the Jewish leaders who should have known from their study of the Old Testament scriptures, that this was the Messiah. But no, they tried to undermine him, they opposed him. Did Jesus go into a panic and say, oh, come on, we've got to clear out from here, this is no good? No, he had a great peace in his heart. When, sorry, when Jesus was tempted and lied to, and opposed by Satan. Did he go into a panic and rant and rave and say, this is not the way my ministry is supposed to begin? No, he didn't. He had great peace. When Jesus awoke to the great storm that was tossing the boat and the disciples were terrified, did he demand to know why they had been so stupid to set off when they could see that the storm was imminent? No, he had great peace. And when Jesus knew that his betrayal and his trial and his death were just a matter of a few hours away, did he start whimpering and complaining about his lot in life? No, he had great peace. There was no anger at God, no questioning God's purposes or God's timing, no thought that his father had made an awful mistake. There was a resting contentedly in the will of God a composure that we call peace. A composure which, not de- de- which did not depend for its continuance on outward serene circumstances because the outward serene circumstances weren't there. But nonetheless, Jesus had that composure that we call peace. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we will have that peace in the same degree as Jesus. 
After all, we're human, we're sinful. Satan does upset us. Our own sin assails us. The world breaks in on us. Our faith does waver. But certainly we have that peace in the same kind. Blessed be God's holy name that he gives to us the same peace that the Lord Jesus Christ knew. Now, let's step back for a moment and look at this verse and what we've been thinking about in relation to everything else that Jesus has said. Jesus has talked about the comforter just a few verses before, that the Father would send in his place. And he's referring, Jesus is referring, of course, to his coming death, and that comforter is the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 27, he appears to leave that thought and to change the subject entirely, and he's talking now about peace. But is he changing the subject entirely? And, of course, no, he's not. The peace that Jesus gives is a natural result within the the heart of the disciples of the Holy Spirit. This is why he makes it so clear that this peace is not like that which the world gives. His peace comes with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has already made it clear to the disciples that after I'm gone, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you comfortless, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, as we know on the day of Pentecost, came down upon all the believers. And it has been a gift by Jesus Christ to his church ever since. And it's by that Holy Spirit that we're gathered here this morning and we listen with with the eyes of faith to what Jesus is saying to us through his holy scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit. So this giving of his peace is not a vain hope. When presidents and prime ministers talk about peace, they give speeches and they express their hope for peace in our time. But the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit is not a vain hope, but by the work of the Holy Spirit, the peace of Christ is given to us. When we are leaving our friends, we will often say goodbye. Although that's falling out into disfavour these days, isn't it? People will often say, like someone in a shop, well, have a good day. Whereas goodbye literally means, in old English, God be with you. Many people are unaware of this. And even if they are, they probably don't mean it anyway. God be with you. It's a formality. That's all it is. But it is no formality when Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, oh, goodbye, have a good day, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. No, it's no formality. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. He is saying that he will ascend to heaven and the Holy Spirit will descend to earth and will be bestowed upon the disciples and with the Holy Spirit comes not just the hope of peace, cross your fingers, hope for the best, but peace itself. A peace, and I've said this many a time already, which does not depend on outward circumstance but depends solely on whether you have the Holy Spirit or not, that is, whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ and a disciple of his. Elizabeth and I uh, receive um, 
um, what would you call it, messages, emails, from an organisation in the UK that looks after missionaries in Europe, and they have missionaries in the Ukraine and missionaries in Moldova, Romania, uh, and other places in Europe. And so we get messages about what's going on in the Ukraine. And one of the startling things is that the pastors and the Christians in churches in, in the Ukraine, even though many of them have had to leave, sorry, and go as refugees to other countries, is the great peace that they have. Even though they've been uprooted from their homes and they've had to flee, the peace and the pastors, some of them actually speak on the messages that we get and you can see them and hear them. And they're talking about how in the middle of the bombing, uh, they're getting aid from other parts of Europe and they're going to the homes of people and distributing this aid, you know, while bombing is going on around them. You know, there's a piece that doesn't come from any external source. It can't. It comes from the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ has given to his people. What a great example it is of that peace. And of course, one of our hymns, well not only one, but there is one of our hymns that points to this truth that peace comes with the Holy Spirit. And it says this, Holy Spirit, peace divine, still this restless soul of mine. Speak to calm this tossing sea. Grant me your tranquility. So that hymn, and it goes on further, of course, but it acknowledges that it is by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ that we receive our peace. Now, we need to look at some objections that might be made to all this. The first objection is, some people might say, well, are you saying that true lasting peace is the possession only of those who believe in Jesus, those who are disciples? Surely that's terribly exclusive. You know, there are, there are Buddhists who who seem to have peace, and there are people of other religions who have peace, and there are people of no religion who have peace, surely. This is one of the things that alienates people from Christianity when Christians make out that they have something that is impossible for anyone else to have. Well, that is precisely what I am saying, and I am saying it on the authority of Jesus himself. He is talking here to his disciples, and he says to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace that Jesus gives is a peace only for those who believe in him. Now there's a second objection. Some might say, are you saying that this peace can be obtained in no other way than through faith in Jesus? This surely is so narrow. And you know, we live in the 21st century. It, it's not a, a, a century of narrowness. We've got to be open to things. Surely there must be something in all these groups and organisations who teach us how to relax and how to achieve peace. And yes, I'm sure that there is some value in all of them. I'm sure there is. There are some t techniques and attitudes that will help a person feel more peaceful within themselves, and I'm sure that's true, but I am saying that there is not a genuine positive speech in the midst of troubles, nor an eternal peace apart from Jesus Christ. And my authority is again Jesus Christ himself. The narrowness 
if you want to call it that, is in his words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice those pronouns, first person pronouns. It is a peace that is a composure, a contentment no matter what the circumstances around us and it is the gift, the bequest of Jesus Christ alone. Now then, let's finish. What have we done so far? We have shown that there is a peace that can be obtained for which the heart of men and women long, a peace which is deep-seated and everlasting. We've also seen that this peace is the peace of Jesus given by him. It's not of the same degree as his, and yet it is of the same kind. And we've also seen that it comes only from him. It is his bequest, his gift to those who believe in him. So there's only one thing that we need to do now, and that's for me to ask, do you possess this gift of peace? Search your heart this day, examine yourself. Why should you deprive yourself of such peace by refusing to come to Jesus? Why should you be content with a counterfeit when Jesus gives genuine and lasting peace? Come to Jesus, believe in him, be his disciple, and hear his words, Peace I leave with you, my peace do I give to you. And then you will fully understand and be able to sing, as many generations have done before us, the words that we are going to sing very shortly, When peace, like a river, flows all through my life, when sorrows, like sea billows, roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for these words of Jesus, Simple words, yet profound words. And we thank you for the peace that is ours, those who follow Jesus, who believe in him. A peace, Lord, that is an internal thing and it does not depend upon our outward circumstances. So we thank you for this, Lord, and we pray that this peace would be something that will increase day by day. We will confess our sins to you, for sin obstructs it. And we pray, Lord, that we would seek the blessing of the Holy Spirit day by day, that our peace might increase. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.